Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of the Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. 2022, they're saying, is the great resignation. Apparently. Do you, you think it's Are true? you going anywhere, Leah? Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we really should uh, listen to our guest on Tech Live today, Kim Sealing-Smith. Kim is the CEO of Ignite Global, a workforce consulting and training solutions organisation. She helps make an impact with diverse organisations from, from the big end of town and also to SMEs across 32 different industries in nine countries. Kim's an award-winning author, speaker, and a future of work expert. So we are lucky to have you in the room right Thank now. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. I'm lucky to be here on Tech Live. Good. Very excited about this. <laughs> what a start. <laughs> so we've heard about it. It was kind of a thing in 2021. Mm. Josh Frydenberg's calling it something else. Tell us about the Great Resignation. Yes, the Great Resignation, we first started hearing about it almost a year ago, yeah. uh, the Microsoft study back in March of 2021 that said that 40% of the global workforce was looking to leave their employer in uh, 2021. And... I've been tracking this very, mm. very closely, and I've noticed that Australia is about three to four months behind, and Australia is also a little bit different. So Josh Frydenberg's comments, I could just see all of my clients just doing a face palm when he said, everybody should go out and look for a new job. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you know, if you want a, a, better, a better pay rise, you should look for a new job. I'm not so sure that's true, and I'm not so sure that that will do a great service to our economy or, or our employers. However, what I do agree with, with um, Honorable Mr. Frydenberg, is that in Australia, it's not the great resignation because you see in the US and the UK, the workforce participation rates are actually going down. Mm -hmm. Baby boomers and even some Gen X are opting to retire early. Mm -hmm. uh, but here in Australia, that's not happening. Yeah. People are not leaving and not going back into the workforce. What we are seeing, though, is many, many, many people are leaving for other opportunities. Okay, so let's go back to the Microsoft study mm. last year. Yeah. How did that play out? Did 40% of the workforce resign? Um, I don't know that 40% resigned. I do know, I got a couple of stats to share with you. So uh, the last time I looked at the US stats, they had record numbers of people quitting jobs, either to go into others or to opt out. And in fact, they had, oh gosh, I think 39 million people at last count who have changed jobs. So that is record numbers. Here in Australia, if you look at the, um, I think, the number of people per LinkedIn, the number of people who left their employment in 2021 over 2019 yeah. was 26% above 2019. So we are seeing there's a lot of movement, a lot of movement in the marketplace. And I know that initially the idea was about how your employer treated you through mm. the early days. Mm, still is. It, that's still... The main issue for this, is it? Yeah, there are a couple things that are happening. Um, if you, in, in fact, if you kind of triangulate the data, you're you're seeing after two years of a pandemic and in and out of lockdowns here in Australia, we've really had a chance to reflect, mm -hmm. and we are no longer willing to put up with things that were 
that are not exactly what we're looking for in our employment. Mm -hmm. So we see people leaving because employers are now calling their staff back to work and they want to, you know, they want to work or back to the office. office. Thank you for that correction. Exactly right. Back to the office. So we're seeing people leave because of that reason. We're also seeing many people leave because they don't like the manager that they're working for. Mm. So we've had a chance to reflect and to really understand what's important to us. The other thing that's going on is this systemic uh, skill shortage that Australia, um, this is, I remember a a, a client of mine called me last July, right after we went into lockdown, about a a month after we Uh were locked down, late July, early August. And he said, calling for two reasons. Number one, find out how you're going through lockdown, which I thought was very nice. Number two, he said, I want to find out how much fun you're having having telling your clients, I told you so. I, (laughs) I said, Jamie, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And he said, I remember having a conversation with you about the skill shortage 10 years ago. Mm. So and I then some. Yeah, exactly. I mean, McKinsey wrote the War That's for right. Challenge in 97. Yeah, 97. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he said, he said, I, I didn't believe you then. So this is a challenge that we have seen come for a very long time. And it's systemic because our birth rates are declining. Australia, you know, the population is getting older. People are choosing to retire. And I think I saw one stat a few years ago that said that it's not expected to turn around demographically until about 2032. So we're looking at another 10 years of really critical skill shortages that are not going to be solved even when we open the borders. And start to bring people in. And we have to also remember that there are people living in Australia, some of whom, like myself, as you can tell my accent, I'm not from around these parts. You know, some of us are wanting to go back to Mm. our country of origin for a period of time. So I'm not so sure how the immigration rate is going to settle out in the next couple of years. We may see people leaving that we don't expect, not only bringing people in. Yeah. And I can think of, you know, young people I would have had working for me over many, many years who might have been from Ireland, the UK or Mm -hmm. somewhere else, Mm -hmm. that would count on having that few weeks back home. Exactly. Each year and they haven't been able to do that for two years. Maybe it's two or three years and so so they could well take off for a longer period now. Yes. So given that, given that for all the demographic, Mm. the, the health, you know, the global picture that employers are going to um, be struggling with a war for talent Mm -hmm. if they're hiring Mm -hmm. and are going to be more than ever needing to retain their teams. Yes. Let's deal with those two things. Yes. Because I know you, Kim, and you're really, really good on the hiring part. Mm -hmm. And the retention part. And the retention (laughs) part. But I used your model for writing an ad when I hired a COO. Now I knew her. I did not know this. I did. Do you tell stuff? I, I did. And, and so let's start with it. And I actually ended up knowing her so she would have come to work for me anyway. Mm. But I wrote the ad using your model mm. and she said, what a great ad. <laughs> so at least I impressed someone I've known for 20 years with the ad for the Fantastic. Position. So why don't we start, let's start with the positive. Yeah. There's a war for talent out there. Mm. How can I position myself as an SME mm-hmm. that may not have the money yes. that someone has and I may not be as nearly as sexy as some of the big digital companies out there, Yes, how can I compete then to, to get the 
needles in the haystack that there are. Those unicorn candidates, yes. We have for the last six months seen stats in Australia that up to 75% of the Australian workforce is at least open to looking. So we have a real opportunity to to bring in talent that we may not have had access to Mm. earlier. Mm. So how do we stand out? It's actually easier, I think, in my opinion, it's easier for SMEs to stand out than it even is for the big end of town. Because? Because the big end of town is a known commodity. Yeah, the brand is is so clear in someone's exactly. mind. Exactly. Whether exactly. right or wrong. And yeah. people are no longer buying brands. Yeah. What they're buying, and you would have seen it on the Spot On Success Profile framework yeah. that you use, people are buying purpose. What is the impact that you mm. make on the world? And I am not being hyperbolic because candidates walk, I mean, that's one of the reasons that people are leaving because they don't feel like where they're working currently is really making a tangible impact. And let's yeah. face it, we've got a lot of problems in the world yeah. and we want to spend our waking hours doing something about it, be it something large or something small. Mm. So the very first thing that you can do to set yourself apart is you can really understand what it is that you do that makes an impact on the world. Now, it may be on your customers, but that has a ripple effect. Mm. So take some time and really understand that purpose and articulate that so that you are unique and different. If you're an engineering firm, how do you differ from all of the other engineering firms? And you do because you have certain client space that you work in. You may utilize different technology. So there are some things that you can bring to the forefront. Hmm. The second thing is what are your values? People want to work with a company whose values are aligned with your own. Mm. So what are your values? And these aren't the values that look nice behind yeah. some receptionist. Integrity. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, how, and, and I, I always take a book from, or take a page from the Atlassian book because they have some very real and very authentic values. Mm. And they've been written up in, I think, HBR and other, you know, famous case study magazines for the values and how that's helped them grow. Mm as an organization. And it's important to understand what your values are, but also then to articulate it to prospective candidates so that they can see themselves in you, so that Mm. you become part of their tribe. And you get that right. You get the purpose right and you get the values right. That's almost a magnet Mm. that will magnetically attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. Nice. And the other thing that I would say is, Hire a marketing person to help you write those job ads. Mm. Think about it. For those of you listening out there, if you are are going to advertise, be it, you know, print advertisements or online advertisements or social media campaigns, you're going to hire a marketing person Mm. to help you craft that. Mm. Why are we still writing job ads Mm. when arguably it's more difficult to find candidates in this market than it is customers? So hire a marketing person, get that professional help to really help shine the spotlight on who you are and use video. We live in a TikTok world. Mm. So describe who you are through video. Really good. So I'm thinking about Mark Puncher and the podcast we did with him on Tech Mm. Live. So that would be a really nice accompaniment for someone that this is really resonating with. Oh, perfect. So EVP is his whole thing and he's an ex-marketing guy. Well, he still is. Perfect. Terrific. There's something important about the attraction. Yes. And that you can stand out. Yes. As you say, even if you don't have a flashy logo, 
mm. on the ad that mm. someone will go straight away, oh, whatever. Exactly. Apple, let's just think something. Okay, that's really good. So what other key tips would you have for a CEO or a business owner in bringing in talent? So absolutely attraction, the way you write the ad, mm-hmm. what else? As you go through the hiring process, first of all, we have, I hesitate to say this because everybody in HR and in your audience is going to go, what? But we've put more responsibility on HR, not that they deserve, certainly not, but that as managers and senior Mm. leaders, we've abrogated the responsibility that we have. And this is, and I want to talk about retention here in a second, this is the number one problem that we have with employee retention, is that connection between manager and direct report has has you know been broken and that needs to be fixed mm. so it starts with the hiring process managers need to take more responsibility mm. in the recruitment process as a matter of fact one of my mantras is we have to stop treating recruitment like filling a takeaway order mm. and we have to start treating it like business development mm. we have to develop a pipeline of candidates and develop relationships with them so that when the needs of their career intersect with the needs of your organization then it's no-brainer. So managers have to be integrally involved in that, and they have to be on the on the forefront of the interview process, on the hiring process. So instead of having HR get back to them, yeah. um, you know, get back to them, let them know that you're really interested in them, keep them interested, that candidate experience through the hiring process is everything, and the hiring manager needs to really run that. Now, HR and talent acquisition can be a huge support, but the hiring manager needs to take responsibility. And what better way to roll out the red carpet to some of these unicorn candidates than showing a personal interest in them? So that's one thing that I would say. Speed is everything. Speed to from from the time that you understand that you need to hire somebody until the job offer is made. I know some companies that are doing it in three days, yeah. and they are they are just jumping through hoops because you wait and the candidate's gone. Yeah. So candidate experience is everything. I had a conversation this morning with a, a client that I'm go- about to embark on an entire recruitment project with, mm. and their talent acquisition team who should be at the forefront of understanding that it's a candidate's market, they're still treating prospective candidates like we're doing you a favor by interviewing you. And that has to change. That absolutely has to change. So it's candidate experience and manager responsibility. I know someone actually, a close friend of mine, who applied for a role with a bigger organisation, heard nothing for months. Yeah, yeah. He ended up getting the job. He then had the interview (laughs) and then heard nothing for weeks. He had other stuff going on. But when they, I I think he then got something from HR saying, can you confirm your address for the contract? And the whole thing was like, this is unbelievable. so old school. Well, it's old Mm. school, isn't it? It is. And I, I love what you're saying about the hiring manager being key to this. Absolutely. And treating it with the same yes. respect and consideration that they would a key client they're yes. trying to bring in. The biggest paradigm shift that, you know, everything that we teach at Ignite Global, my, my initials are KSS, Kim Sealing Smith, yeah. but they stand for something else yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. right? Yeah. Everything that we teach, we break down into very simple processes and systems. What we 
what we struggle with is getting that paradigm shift from the managers to understand that it is a new world. And the pushback that my team and I always get is we don't have the time. Yeah. You don't have the time not to. Because yeah. it costs so much to have disengaged employees. Yeah. It costs you know, up to 33% of their annual salary goes out the door in lost productivity mm. for everybody that's not fully engaged. It costs so much to replace people if you make a bad hire. And Hudson Recruitment did a study a few years ago that said that 44% of their, their um, survey participants rated their last hire as not good. Yeah. So why go through that, you know, it's Groundhog Day. Take time up front and do it right. Spend time with prospective candidates. Spend time with the people who are currently working for you. Engage and retain your staff. If you have a recruitment problem, the first question that I'd be asking yourself is, do I actually have a retention problem? So let's talk about retention. Given the great reshuffle, the great whatever, or actually really good practice for your business, Talk to me about what could be the top tips for retention right now. So easy, Steph. It is so easy. We twist ourselves in knots thinking about how do we engage and retain our staff? What new benefits? I see so many articles about new benefits to retain staff. Benefits are nice, but they're icing on the cake. We need meat and potatoes. Mm. And that meat and potatoes to sustain our businesses is the connection between manager and direct report. There is so much research out there, just screeds Mm. of research out there. All we need to do is make sure that our managers are connecting with our with our staff, with their direct reports, that they are studying and meeting the needs of those people. Now, that might sound like something that's very daunting. One of the, I think probably my very, my my top request through tech when I'm asked to speak for tech mm. is my Mind Reading for Managers program, which is based on a model that I created back in, oh gosh, 2010. And I, I created it initially from reverse engineering the 5,000 exit interviews that I did during the previous 15 years when I was a recruitment consultant. Mm. 5,000 people walked into my office and told me why they wanted to leave. I put that model together and it has stood the test of time. And it's, it's really not difficult. It's things, things that everybody wants. They want to be recognized. They want to be appreciated. They want to have a voice. They want to understand what's expected of them, how, what they need to achieve and how success is measured. They want to spend time working towards their strengths, doing things that they love. It's not difficult. So if you spend time connecting with your staff and really understanding what drives and what motivates them and delivering on that or managing their expectations when you can't because mm. we can't be all things to all people you're and I've got loads of case studies from my mm. own work that says that that is the key all you need to do is spend time with your staff get to know them have the right conversations that go beyond what managers typically talk to their employees about, which is business as usual, goals, KPIs, or how you doing, staff? Just mm. wanted to check in with you. Now, both of those those conversations are really important, but those are two ends of the continuum. And the real the real richness in those conversations is the bit in the middle, those things that I I you know used as examples before. So it's it's treating them as a whole person and understanding that different people have different motivators and taking the time to get to know what those are. Mm. 
That's And it's as easy as that. It really is. You hire the right people. You spend time with them. You work with them as individuals to figure out what they, what, you know, what interests them, what motivates them. You deliver it and you manage their expectations. Your employee problems virtually, they don't disappear, but they drastically reduce. How can a manager do this if it's not their natural yeah. skill set? Yeah, really good question. And Thank you. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, this is the challenge that we have because you, know, you look at the 80s and 90s, 1980s and 90s, we went through huge cost-cutting exercises. Mm. We eliminated a, a whole layer of mm. management and we pushed more down on our managers. Our managers now have day jobs and they have things to do. And people normally in days past, have been promoted to manager based on their technical skills. That's right. And they don't have, some of them don't have those innate abilities. Unfortunately, there is no easy answer for this. Mm. That has to change. We have to promote managers based on their will and their ability to manage. Mm. And in order to do that, we have to create multiple career paths so that people without that natural talent can become uh, technical specialists or can become business development specialists, can make their mark on the organization in the best way that they know how, bringing mm. their skills and abilities. And this is a culture change. Mm. And this is... This is this is not easy medicine to swallow, mm. but honestly, I don't see any other solution. So until, and that's a you know, multi-year process for a lot of organizations, until we can do that, until we can really understand what the, the abilities are to be good managers and to promote and to, to find something to do for the managers who shouldn't be managers, mm. we, we really need to teach them some basic skills. Mm. And I say basic, but they're they're maybe not so basic. Emotional intelligence, mm. absolutely number one, mm. and communication skills. Mm. Sitting down and 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 having the right conversations. Um, you know, you, and like I said, the the mind reading for managers program is the number one requested program mm. through tech, and that mm. that is exactly that. It teaches managers, gives them a structure and a framework to sit down, have those conversations based on that nine currencies of choice, and that. In fact, I created it for initially in 2012, I created that program for an engineering client. Mm. And one of the criteria that um, actually it's the same CEO that called me last July, yeah, yeah. Jamie, coincidentally, um, one of the criteria that Jamie had is I need you to provide a structure to people who don't have natural emotional intelligence mm. to do the things that they would do if they did. You know, I'm thinking of a small business owner mm. that doesn't have the luxury of an individual contributor. Yeah. Senior, senior yeah. individual contributor. Yeah. Or maybe they need to rethink, you know, the future of work is going to play out with a whole lot of different structures. It is, yes. So yes. that's another conversation. Yes. But I I can see a lot of businesses having a struggle with managers who may, you may get by on the attraction and hiring, mm. but they may struggle with that connection. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse as a owner or a leader of a business than someone saying, I'm not getting it from my manager. Yeah. And you kind of, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a challenge, I think. If they don't, if they physically, you know, if the, the budget, if they're si- the size of their business mm. 
And, and it doesn't actually have to be a large business. I, I did a recruitment review, sorry, a retention review, an employee retention review for a small company up in Queensland. Mm-hmm. They had 50-ish staff at the time, 57% turnover for three years running, 55 to 57%. Did an entire employee retention review. And I came back to them and I said, your number one problem is that the directors are working in the business and yeah. they're not and I said that more, more you yeah. know, more artfully, more articulately yeah, yeah. than that. But but basically it was, you guys shouldn't be running the business. You should be, you should be running the business. You shouldn't be interacting with staff. Mm. They found um, one of the state managers to promote to mm. be the general manager. He didn't lose anybody in a year and a half mm. because he's got that. So I would question, can you afford not to bring mm. somebody in mm. with those skills? And if not, if the answer is truly no, it's me mm. and, you know, two or three staff mm. and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good with people, mm. then build that into your business plan. Mm. Build it into your business plan that you're going to be a training ground, that, you know, make that part of your EVP. Bring in people who want to learn specialized skills or, you know, something that you have to offer. Figure out what that is and plan on keeping them for six months, 18 months, a year or um, you know, use just-in-time talent. Use contractors. Yeah. Somebody that it Variable resources. Absolutely right. There's so much here. Mm. And I love it that you've started with kind of a bit of a, um, you know, culture zeitgeist thing about the, the great resignation yeah. and spoken practically about what every size business can mm. do. And something has really resonated here. It all comes down to the manager. Absolutely. And what how well you're selecting, developing, rewarding your managers and the critical role that they play in your organization. Kim, that was fantastic. Thank there was you, there was so much to cover there. And Kim Sealing-Smith, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Steph. My absolute pleasure. Discover more about tech at tech.com.au.